joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive a king. Let every art prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And to heaven and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ, while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sound. Joy, repeat the sounding joy, repeat, repeat the sounding joy. No more let sin and sorrow grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to is found, for as the curse is found, for as, for as the curse is found. He rules the world with truth and grace, and makes the nations prove the glory Righteousness and the wonders of His love, and wonders of His love, and wonders, wonders of His love. Well, thanks so much, Billy. Well, can I also thank the Sunday Club and the Crash for joining us? And you're, you're going to be leading us in just a minute. I know we're going to be blessed just as we um, listen and as we see you all lead us in our nativity. And to all the parents and all the adults here today, can I just pray a wonderful blessing upon you. Oh, may the Lord bless you and keep you and may he encourage you this day. Well, we're told, come and celebrate, sing and shout with praise, for our God comes to us triumphant and victorious, yet gentle and humble of heart. He comes bringing peace, offering hope and freedom to all who despair. Let's worship the Lord together. So I'm now going to invite the Sunday Club to lead us. Thank you. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For us, a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will regain on David's throne and over his kingdom establishing and upholding and righteousness. 
from planning on and for the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish us. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are uh, you who are highly favoured, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greetings greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. We will now all sing Little Donkey. days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria and everyone went to their own town to register. 
So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went now to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, so she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger, because there were no guest room available for them. We will now sing, it was on a starry night. shepherds living out in the fields nearby and keeping watch over the flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. You will suddenly feel a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom his favour rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to the other one, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord told us about. So they hurried off and found Joseph, Mary and the baby, who were lying in a manger. We were now all sighing away in a manger. 
After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where, the one, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chiefs, priests, and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land, in the land of Judah, by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. We will now sing, come and join the celebration. Our reading today is from 
Galatians 3, verse 26 to 4 and verse 7, and can be found in page 1238. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abram's seed and heirs according to the promise. What I am saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. He is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of a son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. Amen. May God bless the reading of his precious word. Well, can I draw your attention as we consider this morning our passage from Galatians, there in chapter 4. And I want us this morning to consider this very verse in verse 4. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Amen. Well, over these weeks, we've been sharing through Advent the Christmas message. First of all, we spent Christmas with Isaiah. And then we spent Christmas with John last week. And this morning, we're going to come around the fireplace and we're going to spend Christmas with the Apostle Paul. And this is his wonderful Christmas message. God sent forth his son. What a wonderful message. God sent his son. They called him Jesus. Well, as Paul considers Jesus, his Emmanuel, his Savior, his Lord, his King. Paul has also been considering the Old Testament. Paul well knew that in the Old Testament, God sent forth the law. And when the law was given to Israel, it was to convict them of their sins. The law came like a mirror showing all their wrinkles showing all the flaws in their nature. The law came and convicted them. And that's what the law does. Often we go to the Ten Commandments, don't we? And we, and we all kind of 
our hearts sink and we think, oh no, I didn't keep that one today, we didn't keep that one. And you know, and the law does, it comes, it's like a mirror. And we just see our own flaws and we know, we can say with the Apostle Paul, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so yes, God sent forth his law. And it came and yes, it would convict the people of their sins, but it was also to convince them. Now this is the important part of the law. We always think that the law is just this hammer that beats you up. But the law was actually meant, it, it couldn't save you. The law could not stop you sinning. The law can't do much for you in that way, but what it can do is it brings you to Jesus. It brings you to the need of a saviour. You know that once the law comes like a mirror to your own nature and your own life and you look and you say, oh Lord, I can still see some flaws. I can still see my sins that I can't seem to stop doing. But you know, the law also reveals to us the need of a saviour. We know that, Lord, I'll never be sinless. I'll never be perfect. I'll never be good enough to be a Christian. In fact, how could I possibly be good enough ever to get to heaven? What could possibly allow me into heaven? And you know, for many who do hope for heaven, many try and do as many good things as they can. They, they oh, I'll, I'll give to charity. I'll go even to church. I'll go to the prayer meetings. I'll read my Bible every day. I'll pray. I'll do all the things that good people ought to be doing. And we think that that's going to somehow give us a perfect mirror image. But the law reminds us, no, you need someone to rescue you. You need help. You need a saviour. And so the law, yes, as it was sent forth in the Old Testament, it was like a school teacher. The law would guide you. It would instruct you in the way, but it could never save you. It could never get you to heaven. No, but it would guide you along. The law comes like the hand of God leading you, taking you to Jesus himself. And so the law comes, yes, to instruct, to guide, to govern us, to direct our lives. The law often, often restrains us from doing real bad evil. <laughs> it can confine us. But the law cannot save us. And the law cannot set us free. But now the good news. This is why Paul is so excited that yes, God had sent forth his law, but the good news of Christmas, the good news of the gospel is God has now sent forth his son. Jesus has been set forth. He can actually free us from our sins. He can set us free. He can forgive us. He can cleanse us. He can wash us clean. He can give us a brand new start. He can give us a new heart, a new life. And he himself will welcome us into his family and take us to heaven. When we face death, we don't need to worry. 
The good news is that God has sent forth his son. And so Paul, what a wonderful message. And so as we look at this verse in Galatians, God sent forth his son. I want you to notice three things. As Paul gives his Christmas message, he reminds us, first of all, that God is always on time. He's always on time. Notice, when the fullness of the time was come, at the perfect time, at the right time, God sent forth his Son. You know, how impatient we can get, can't we? When things don't work out as planned, when our prayers are not answered, and when difficulties persist, when we're struggling with disappointment, and maybe some here today know what it is to suffer depression, and you struggle on and on, and maybe, yes, you've prayed, Lord, help me. Maybe things have gone out of control. And you've been praying, Lord, take me through this storm. Help me. Can you deliver me from this mess? But can, can I encourage you this morning? Yes, we will go through storms and trials in life. But oh, hold on to the truth of the gospel. God is always on time. He's always on time. Do you remember Joseph? There he is. He was sold into slavery, imprisoned. Yet we're told in the fullness of time, he becomes the prime minister of Egypt. For years he had suffered. He had known anguish and pain and fear and loss. He felt he had lost his life. He was at rock bottom. Yet in the fullness of time, Joseph was exalted. And he became the prime minister of Egypt. And even Moses, we're told that he was preserved there in the desert. And in the fullness of time, he became our deliverer. He became the deliverer of Israel. And there at the Red Sea, we find the Egyptian army coming against Israel. And here they are, and in the perfect time, in the fullness of time, at the right time, the sea opened up in front of them. God is always on time. And when it comes to the birth of Christ, God was right on time. Right on time. And notice all these prophecies hundreds of years ago, in fact, thousands. All these promises telling us that someone is coming, the Messiah is coming, the one, the chosen one, the anointed one, the one who will deliver us from our sins, hundreds of years before the promise was made. Will this promise be answered? Is there someone coming at all? And suddenly, in moments, even over a night, God is on time. Everything comes into play. The promise of the garden. Remember when God promised Eve in the garden? That a seed will be born. One will come and he'll be the champion. That was at the very beginning of time. When Satan had 
caused Adam and Eve to sin there in the garden. And as they were put out, God said, don't worry. There's a champion coming. And the centuries went by. And now Paul tells us, at the perfect time, he came. He came. The prophecies and the time of silence. And suddenly it's all action. The angels are now on scene. A census, the taxes. Oh, perfect timing to have a census. The crowded in, the birth, the shepherds. And then, of course, in later time, the wise men come, the magi come. The perfect time. In the perfect time, in the fullness of time, at the right time, God sent forth his son. And you know, as we think of the coming of Christ to Bethlehem, at Advent time we often do think of the birth of Christ. And yes, we think of all the promises of the Old Testament. We often read from Isaiah and all the other prophecies regarding the birth of Christ. But you know, we often forget that Advent is also about the second coming of Christ. Jesus is coming again. He's going to come back to this world again. And isn't it amazing that when you look at all the prophecies of all the Old Testament, I know many today make a big fuss about Nostradamus and all his prophecies. But go to the Old Testament and look at all the prophecies about Jesus. They're perfect. A child will be born in Bethlehem. Even prophecies that he will die with thieves. He'll be pierced in his hands and his side. His birth, his life, his death are all in the Old Testament. That's hundreds of years before Jesus was even born. And every promise, every prophetic word has been fulfilled. It's remarkable actually when you go through the Old Testament and look at all the promises about Christ and the promised one who will come. And then Jesus comes and he fulfills these wonderful prophecies. Isn't it amazing that when Jesus said, I'm coming again, do you believe him? <laughs> do you believe that he will come again? That he will come for those who put their trust in him? That he'll come for his bride? He'll come for his church? He'll come for his people? The Bible says that yes, and if all the prophecies about his first coming, there's a child, have all happened, then I can tell you, I believe <laughs> he's coming again just as he promised. God is always on time. He's always on time. Sometimes we may not be on his time. But you know, he's always on time. And can I encourage you today? God is always on time, even in your life. You are no accident. You are not an accident of some atom bouncing against another. I don't believe that one bit. I don't believe that you're just a random bundle of chemicals that are only here for a time and you're going to go back to the dust. 
doesn't matter how old you are, if you die when you're young or die when you're old. It doesn't matter. You're just wee bundles of atoms and bundles of chemical reactions going on. You're just a random, meaningless thing that just travels through time and we should just glory in it all that we're here. According to the scriptures, you are no accident and you are not a random bundle of chemicals. We're told that you are unique. You are greatly loved. God is always on time. And he's always on time as he works in our hearts and in our lives. And even through the storms and the difficulties and the trials that we face, the heartaches that we go through, oh, we can trust him. We can trust him. I remember someone once came to me and said, Scott, do you know this? I don't trust your religion. I don't trust your God. I don't trust. And uh, remember, it, it was actually a taxi driver. And I knew him well. And, and, and I just said to him, okay, fair enough. I said, but what's caused you to lose trust? And he began to just share his life story. And he told me just the heartaches that he's gone through. But he said what floored it for him was his sister. He said that his mother was dying. And here she was in hospital. And his sister came into the ward and said, it's all right, mum's going to be healed. And this sister, yes, she was a Christian. And she had prayed and she believed with all her heart that if she went into the hospital and put her hands on her mother, she would be healed. And so she came in so excited into the ward. And the brother here was, he just had to sit and watch it all happening. And this sis, his sister would just pray over the mother in bed. And the mother would just lie there, just smiling, content in herself. Allowing her daughter just to pray for it. And then the daughter turned round to look at her brother and, and said, She's healed. She's now healed. And she left the ward. And he looked at his mother and he just began to cry. He just wept. And he said, Mum, are you healed? And she just smiled. She didn't respond. And later that night, she died. She was a godly woman. She was a lovely mother. Who, and she went to be with the Lord. Yes. But you know that brother, that taxi driver who I was speaking to said, from that moment, I knew I would never trust my sister's God. I don't believe any of that rubbish. And I didn't know what to say. I just thought, and I totally, my heart went out to him and I thought, yes, I've heard many stories like that. But one thing I, I do know, we've all gone through storms and trials in life. And I know that people have lost trust in religion. They've lost trust in church. They've lost trust in priests and ministers. They've lost trust in people in leadership, people in power, and we're now reaping a world that's just feels so corrupt. And especially people who are in places of authority, 
Many hearts just sink and they just say, do you notice I don't believe any of that rubbish? Even in politics, people have just lost heart. They don't believe a thing that any politician will say now. There's just a heart, there's just a total distrust. And I get it. <laughs> I do get it. But you know, one thing I've experienced in life, as well as storms and trials and the loss of loved ones, one thing I can say is, yes, I've lost trust in people. I've lost trust in organizations and in denominations and in churches. I've lost trust in all these things too. But one thing I can say is, do you know, I've never lost trust in the Lord Jesus. He's always been there for me, even at the worst of times in my life. Jesus has always been that one person that I, I could trust fully. And I'm so glad of the Christmas message that at the perfect time, God sent forth his son, one who I trust with all my heart. And I know today as I look around, there are many of you here, you know worse storms than I've gone through. You've known storms and trials. And I know that today your testimony is, but I've learned to trust Jesus. <laughs> oh, I've, I, I don't even trust the storms that come, but oh, I can trust him. One thing the storms have taught me anyway is that I can trust Jesus. I can trust him with all my heart. And in the perfect time, God sent forth his son. And you know, at the perfect time, God comes through for us, doesn't he? He touches our lives. He gives us hope. He just lifts our hearts when we feel so down. We feel so flat. We feel so discouraged. We feel as if we're ready to give up. And at the perfect time, he comes. And maybe today you're just at the end of your tether. Could this be the perfect time that the Lord would come to you? That he would touch your heart? That he would come alongside you and wipe your tears and say, there, there. I know what you're going through. I know what you're going through. In the perfect and in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. And today I pray that the Lord would lift you that you would be encouraged as his presence draws near. Yes, God is always on time and he meets us where we are. Isn't that lovely? God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law. Jesus came into this world. He was baptized into the mess that we're baptized in. God meets us where we are. He's always on time and he meets us where we are, where you are right now. He comes into the place of sin. Jesus came into the place of sin and darkness and despair and he hung there. In the midst of darkness, when the darkness had covered the whole world, in the midst of darkness, Jesus came where we are and Jesus comes into the darkness that you face. He comes into the despair. He comes into the heartaches. He comes into the brokenness. Yes, God is always on time. And God meets us where we are. Jesus was born into a time of helplessness and despair. And Jesus, as he was born for us, we're told that he grew up under the law. 
He was obedient unto, unto death. And so today, Jesus meets us in our mess. He meets us under the law. Yes, we're slaves and servants. But you know the good news of the gospel? Under the gospel, oh, we are sons and daughters. We're children of God under the gospel, under the good news. When we respond to the good news of Jesus, Jesus said, I, I don't call you servants. I call you friends. You're my friend. You're the daughter and the son of the Most High. You're a child of God. Jesus was sent forth at the bright time and right where we are, he comes and he adopts us. He desires for you and for me to come into his family, to be united with Christ, to know life in Christ. That's why he came. That's why he died, so that you could have life, new life. And here, as Jesus came, the good news, he welcomes, he welcomes you to himself. He came to be with you that we might receive the adoption of sons, that you would be a son and a daughter. Do you know I love Paul's Christmas message? I love his message. Today it's my prayer, oh, that you would receive him, that you would believe in him, that you would hold on to him as he comes into your lives, into your mess, into all your storms and trials. Oh, would you receive him? Could this be the right time for you this morning to receive Christ? Could this be the right time for you to look up could this be the right time that in your despair that you would put your trust in Christ? Wouldn't it be amazing that today would be the right time for you? For in the fullness of time, at the right time, Jesus came. And in that perfect time, oh, that a heart would respond to Christ this morning. Do you know, that's my prayer for, I know many of you here, you've already responded to Christ. You felt his presence, you know his spirit, you've known his joy, his love, his forgiveness, his mercy. But oh, could there be another heart here today? And this today could be the perfect time for you to turn to him, to turn to Jesus, to look full in his wonderful face. And then let the things of earth grow strangely dim in light of his glory and grace. God sent forth his son. That's the good news. Oh, can I encourage you? Receive him. And may you rest in Christ. Just rest in him. And so can we do that in just a quiet time? Let's have a quiet time before the Lord. I'll let you pray and then I know Billy's going to lead us in our intercessory prayers.
King of Heaven, now the friend of sinners, humble servant in the Father's hands, filled with power and the Holy Spirit, filled with mercy for the broken man. Now he's standing in the place of honour, crowned with glory on the highest throne, interceding for his own beloved till his father calls us to bring them home. Father, we thank you for what you've done for us. We thank you that at Christmas time we can celebrate the birth of Jesus. And we thank you that now he is with you, interceding for us. And Father, as we bow before you this morning, we thank you that you are our Saviour. But at this time too, Lord, we think of our families, for those in our families who don't know you, who maybe believe in you, but don't really know you. We think of our fathers, our mothers, our sisters and brothers, our sons, our daughters, our grandchildren. Father, we pray a blessing upon each one of them who don't know you and who do know you. But Father, our deep prayer is that you will draw alongside each one of them, Lord, and bring them unto yourself. Lord, we pray for those who are alone at this time, a time for families to gather together. But we pray for those who are housebound and maybe have no one. We pray for those, Lord, who are homeless and, and maybe on the street at this time and have no one. And we pray for those, Lord, who may be in a crowded home but still feel alone. We ask you, Lord, to draw close to each one of them, to pour out your spirit upon them, to comfort them. Lord, we think of this extremely cold weather we've been having and of the energy crisis, of people afraid to put on their heating or having to choose between heating and eating. Lord, we ask you to bless them and we ask you to keep them warm. And Father, as we think of our own Christmases, we may be thinking of the blessings that we have, that we have plenty of food and we're maybe able to keep our homes warmer. So we think of those less fortunate than ourselves. We also pray too, Lord, that Christmas won't just be about presents and tinsel and Christmas trees, but that people realise that Christmas we celebrate your birth. So, Lord, we ask that you will open the hearts of many, that you will send your Holy Spirit to move in our land, 
to meet the needs, the many needs of those in our community. But Lord, that you will bless them by revealing yourself to them. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that you've given to us to bring our tithes and our offerings, Lord. And Lord, we just pray that you will take them and use them for the extension of your kingdom and for the good in our community. Lord, we just thank you that we can come in to your presence and be with you and sit with you. And Lord, we ask you to hear our prayers. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks so much, Billy, for leading us in our intercessory prayers. Well, we're now going to sing together in our closing carol. This is still the night, holy the night. So let's stand as we worship together.
And so may grace, mercy and peace from God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore.